The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. You're listening to Pure Rock Radio. Feed your addiction. This episode is brought to you by the Bleeding Old Blood Club with this important message. The Bleeding Old Blood Club believes life doesn't end at 40. Live life. Take that trip. Learn that skill. Get in the pit. Learn to skate or get back on your skateboard. Shred it up once again. Check us out on Facebook, the Bleeding Old Blood Club. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Well, we are 6 out of 10. My name is Dan. And I'm Kirby. And you're listening to Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a blackened episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 617, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. And not only is it blackened, this is the episode to have a drink to. This is the episode um, that is not noise pollution. This is also the episode where you should give your dog a bone and shake your leg. So... As you're doing all those things, get yourself a cup of true cult coffee and have a drink on us. <laughs> right? That's yeah. all going to make sense later, I promise. But seriously, mm-hmm. trvekvltcoffee.com, the most metal coffee you're going to drink. Death wishes for pussies. Drink true cult coffee. Can we say that anymore? True, like true, uh, death wishes for pussies? Or is that like like a whole like like... Am I crossing boundaries now? Well, okay, people have to be, like, guys like you and I were from the generation before this generation that's finally getting their shit together when it comes to politically correctness. As good as you and I are for being such, people have to be, um, you know, um, somewhat, uh, 
with 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 you and I, they kind of have to be uh, patient. Okay, we'll 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 get there one hundred and ten percent. So if the odd pussy or whatever falls out, well, sorry. You but know what's funny right. though? Like, I honestly never made the connection between the pussy being the slang time for, uh, slang term for a woman's vagina and calling somebody a pussy, meaning you're calling them a vagina. I just like took it as you're calling them like it was just like another way to call them a wimp. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what it is. But yeah. when you really think about it, like the female vagina is like the strongest thing that is like like ever. That's a really good point. Like you have to push a human yeah. through that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I've often said like they they we we call women the fairer sex. Oh yeah, I don't no, think so. No, yeah. Oh my god! Like when I get the sniffles, like I'm down for the count. Yeah, like no, I know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not giving birth anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, it, and it, yeah. I bet Mr. Confabino Cult is gonna be like, "Wow, this is a glowing endorsement." T R V K V L T. Can I say vagina? You know, vaginas are really strong, right? So, <laughs> almost as strong as true cobalt. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna do the same thing. <laughs> Ah, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Seriously, go out, subscribe, because not only will you never run out of coffee if you subscribe, you're going to get not one, but two great bands every month. Great music. Uh, Mr. Coffee Bean Okulta. Uh, oh, I wonder if I can find it, because this is kind of funny. We were having a good time. So I've always said, it, interact with him on Instagram, because that's where he likes to party and have fun. And so Mr. Coffee Bean Okulta, where is it here? Here we go. Um... So, Mr. Coffee Bean Oculta, he um, is on trve.kvlt.coffee on Instagram, and he was asking, he's like, hey, so what is the, you know, what's the music that's getting you through the grueling work week this week? And people are putting putting down, like, oh, it's the music you sent me with, with the coffee that I ordered, right? Oh. And that's that's powerful, right? But then, mm-hmm. you know, if you've listened to this show for even, you know, one single episode, you know I'm a jerk. So <laughs> I responded, I said, um, it's the first pressing NKOTB CD you sent me from your personal collection, right? And so NKOTB, depending on what generation you are and where you're at, is new kids on the block. Obviously, oh, okay. he's not going to have that CD, but that's the joke. Yeah. And so then he responds back and I love it. He's like, oh yeah, Norwegian Kings of Terror Band. There we go. <laughs> and that's why True Cult Coffee is the best coffee because it's not coming to you from some faceless corporation or a whole bunch of people pushing ones and zeros and trying to go through branding. Like this is one real guy who loves coffee, and I mean loves coffee. He takes it real seriously for the conversations we've had. He loves metal and he loves doing things with his hands. So like his embodiment printing press that he's working on that I've talked about, like when you interact with True Call Coffee, you're interacting with a proprietor of that brand who really just takes pride in what he does, man. He's a good dude. And, you know, support him because they support us. And it's just a great time. So, metal. Yeah, yeah. Now, now. It's funny how we should we should get a little sidetracked there because I kind of, I got my True Cobalt Coffee right here in my Buffy the Vampire Slayer mug. So strong coffee, good coffee with strong women and all that. Hey, oh my goodness! Can't, See, can't, can't go wrong with that. And she's had a couple of kids, so you know. 
<laughs> we, we, yeah, we know yeah. that 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 the the vampire slayer vagina has been put to the test. <laughs> Was that crossing the line? I feel like I may have crossed the line when, on that one. When, you know what? When I woke up this morning, I never thought I'd be hearing the words "vampire slayer vagina." Nice. I mean, and you know who does? But aren't you glad you did? Um, For seriously, sure. Buffy, if you're listening to this, Sarah Michelle. Um, we really don't mean anything offensive by it because like both of us are huge fans and mm-hmm. you know, not in the creepy way. Like, like really like, I don't know if you've watched her stuff on Instagram, but dude, she's fucking hysterical with her quarantine tips. Mm. You just, you, I don't even want to spoil it. Seriously. Go out, find Sarah Michelle Geller's Instagram and go watch it. She did one where she parried her own Buffy stuff. Oh my God. It was oh. great, dude. It was so good. Yeah. Yes, classic right stuff. But on. anyway, so what's going on, man? Well, before we get into everything, we're going to drop a track in honor of True Cobalt Coffee, a record that kind of came across my desk. I've kind of been wanting to get to, but uh, we're also going to throw it out to a couple friends of the show who are celebrating their birthday today as well. You will recall just a little while ago we had a. Uh, Amy Lawless from Clitoradion. Well, they're yeah, having their birthday today. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know what's funny? Like, we couldn't have planned to have a more feminine genitalia referencing episode than this one right here. <laughs> Between the discussion it's, we just had into the Clitoradia again, like... Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, like that's, yeah. that's some fine fine writing right there. We just lucked into <laughs> there it. We go. There we go, there we go, yeah. Yeah, as well, here a little, little closer to home, uh, Mr. James Burton, he of Endless Chaos fame. It is his birthday as well, so we want to give a shout-out and a happy birthday and a hello and horns up to the good folks at True Cobalt Coffee. August 7th, courtesy of Dark Descent Records, Australia's Faceless Burial dropped their new record, Speciation. From that wicked record, this is Irreparably Corpsed.
been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Oh, yeah, dude. What's going on? All right, man. So I'm drinking a beer tonight from Hickory, North Carolina, and I feel like I've had this one on the show before, but it's called The Event Horizon. Mmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a hell of a beer. Yeah. It's an imperial stout brewed with honey and er- aged in bourbon barrels. So it's along the lines of a... Um, Oh, help me. It's along the lines of a dragon's milk. This one is 12.3% alcohol by volume. Holy shit. Yeah, but for whatever reason, nothing seems to affect me the way that dragon's milk does. Like, I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I love these imperial stouts, and I love bourbon barrel stouts, and none of them ever seem to have an impact on me the way that dragon's milk does. Maybe, you know what, I'd say they're back. There was one more that I had at the uh, homegrown brew house that I like here locally. Um can't remember for the life of me what it was that one might have been mexican cake who knows but um yeah anyway so i'm drinking that because i got some new guitar effects this week um i started moving a lot of stuff on ebay um selling old stuff that we didn't need um because i can't remember if i told you but i ended up getting a new ipad so i was getting a new guitar interface for it and i was kind of on the fence because i've been looking for a reverb pedal Reverb's an effect I've never been a big fan of, but I've been hearing creative things with it. And so I found this company called Matthews Effects, and they have two different reverb kind of pedals. And one's called the Astronomer, and the other one is called the Cosmonaut. And so the Astronomer has reverb settings like, um, oh, do I have it handy? No, it's like Canis Major, and think of like other, you know, Ursa Minor, that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the Cosmonaut has stuff like um, Sputnik, you know, like <laughs> like all those kind of fun things. And so I'm thinking, like, what better beer to uh, to dig into when I'm going to sit down and work with the astronomer than the Event Horizon? So I got that going on. And then I, I found a, um, a T-shirt. And th- this is going to – this is the segment where if our listeners don't play guitar, they have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But Snowy, are you familiar with a pedal called the fuzz pedal? The fuzz pedal. Um, is that like slang for that pedal that the Swedish death metal uh, um, bands seem to think they created that sound, but really it was Canada Slaughter and all that? Is that, is that no, what no. we're so talking? No, no. So technically they call that the chainsaw or the buzzsaw, and you're referring um. to the Boss HM2. Um, okay. Fuzz has a long history. Probably one of the most famous is the Fuzz Face that Jimi Hendrix um, made famous. There's a lot of other, like, and they're not boutique, but they're kind of like small batches that, that were made and came up that have kind of become famous. The next most famous after the Fuzz Face is the Big Muff. <laughs> the Fuzz Face and the Big Muff. Yes, I'm, I'm just pausing for effect here. <clears throat> Okay. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I was never a fan of fuzz. I like because fuzz is a very specific kind of sound. Like depending on how you use fuzz, like it can uh-huh. sound <laughs> I'm it. sorry. There there there's a manscape reading in here somewhere. <laughs> it really is. Uh but um but like like and, and you're gonna love where this ends up going, right? <laughs> because God, I, I, I can't wait to get the punchline for you. Um, but so, like, like, uh, like you, like, um, "Spirit in the Sky." If you remember that song, that you know how that kind of almost sounds like a saxophone. That's a type of fuzz. 
right? So that, that's yeah. a fuzz guitar. And then like um, Satisfaction, the, the Rolling Stones, that's a fuzz. Um, pretty much everything that Smashing Pumpkins did is a fuzz, and that would be the Big Muff, right? So you had the Big Muff, and you've had all these other fuzzes that have come out around that. Um, but the Big Muff and the Fuzz Face being probably the two most famous. And it's funny, like, I never gave a damn about Fuzz. Um, until, I, like, until I discovered um, another Fuzz. But then I just remember why I'm talking about Fuzz. So, you know the phrase, for fuck's sake? Yes. Like, I'm sure you use it a lot in your money job, mm-hmm. right? You're like, oh, for Every fuck's day. Sake. Yeah, Every yeah, day. Right? Like me and every coworker, something crazy. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake, right? Uh-huh. Well, I found this guitar podcast that puts out a T-shirt. It's got like a schematic for a fuzz pedal, and it says, "For fuzz sake." Ah, uh, yes. I had to have it, right? I had to have it. But um, anyway, I I had to tell that part because I didn't want to diminish from the the, the real punchline here is coming up, which is how I got into fuzz. So I had zero desire to, for, for fuzz. Like I, I knew some of them and that sort of stuff, but I was more of a distortion guy. Like I like, I like the distorted sounds to be like really, really that, that Metallica type, you know, that machine gun anthrax kind mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and then I found this effects demo person and I don't know what happened to her. Like she basically wiped herself off the internet, which is impressive. Um, and she mm-hmm. went by the moniker Fuzzbox Girl. And she was a big fan of fuzz pedals. And it, again, started with a big muff. And so, well, Sorry. you're going you're gonna to love this, yeah. right? Because fuzz I, muff, fuzz girl with the big muff, yeah. Because here's the thing. I really have a rough time taking an attractive woman seriously when they get into guitar, unless they really know their shit. And here's why. This isn't a sexist thing, ladies and gentlemen. This is because of the NAMM show. Like, I, um, I went to, to the NAMM show between somewhere in the 90s through, like, 2000 or 2001. I think 2001 was my last one. And um, it was always a big thing, and I've heard this is a thing at other conventions, but the NAMM show is my only one to do, is that everybody basically hires um, former Playboy playmates and models and that sort of stuff to stand at their booth and attract right. men. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of find this offensive because they would come in and think that I'm coming just to talk to them and flirt. I'm like, no, I don't want to flirt. I want to know what the fuck's going on with this pedal or this guitar. Like, tell me about, like, I need somebody that can talk to me, you know? So if there's a girl who's maybe, you know, not as attractive than the other girl who knows her shit, that's the girl I want to talk to, you know? Mm-hmm. And to see, to watch these other girls try to wrap their head around this, like, like my tits are hanging out. He doesn't want to talk to me. Yeah. No, because yeah. there's guitars here. Like, that's the only thing that turns my penis off. There's guitars. Like, sorry, you know. <clears throat> and and so, like, because of that, like, and I can't remember which one it was. There, there was one NAMM show in particular where it was really bad, right? And I think I told you that the people that own the music store that I work at um, were Mormons, were our Mormons. Okay. Right? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, her... Um, it was the husband, you know, it was a husband wife team. So the husband and I are talking, I'm like, do you notice there's a lot more scantily clad women this year? He looks at me, serious heart attack. He's like, yeah, he's like, I circled one booth 10 times. I still don't know what they sold. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Bob, gotcha. You know, you know, but, but there was, there was a lot of that going on, you know? And so 
like that's why if there's some girl who's really good looking and they're demoing something, I'm like, oh fuck, is this somebody who is like reading cue cards just to bring guys in? Because I, I I'm not a fan of that. You know, Dean Markley mm-hmm. did a lot of ads like that. That's why I didn't carry Dean Markley products. Like I am all for hot women. I am all for naked women. But like, don't use one to sell the other. You know, like if the hot naked yeah. girl actually knows about guitars, loves guitars, then there we go match made in heaven there we go it's like 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 you say like when we talk about like um like like um like the porn stars and wrestlers and stuff like we're not going to talk about them on the metal show unless they're truly into metal kind of thing like and it has to be more than just wearing a slayer Mm t-shirt you know um you know so i mean there are some some that are just into metal like like it's not you know i don't know Like, like i feel like i'm just digging a hole here but it's like I, I'm not just going to be like, oh, look, it's a pretty girl. Let's watch this. No, like I'm there for the product. I'm there for the demo. Like I, I love guitar. I take them seriously. And if this beautiful girl can talk seriously with a guitar, well, she's just going to get even hotter. But if mm-hmm. she can't, it doesn't do me any good. You know what I mean? Like, like that's not what I'm looking for. But anyway, so, <clears throat> um, so I go to this channel, Fuzzbox Girl, and she's demoing some stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, she really kind of knows her stuff and then i saw the um picture she put on her website it's like a banner website she is completely naked and you can only see her from like the neck down right she was very good at obscuring her face um and she has um her legs are spread wide apart again completely naked guitar effects pedals lining her legs um there's a pedal over each breast but in the middle, and, and wait a second, could you see the breasts or not? Or was that another photo? But anyway, but like the leg shot, and this is what sold me. And I ended up interviewing her and um, did an interview with her for Guitar World magazine because I respected her so much because she she got it. She understood what was going on in the industry, and she threw it in everybody's faces because this mm. wide leg spread shot, she is holding the big muff pedal right in the middle. That makes sense to me. Right? And <laughs> I saw this and I lost it. This is the funniest mm. thing I've ever seen. And, you know, there's so many other people that are like, whoa, I wish she'd move the pedal. I'm like, no, you're, you're really not getting the joke. No, and, you're not getting the joke, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And she's making fun of you. Like, mm. that's just it. Like, you're the person she's making fun of. This is great. And so, you know, she she ended up just being like this wonderful person because I finally contacted her. I'm like, hey, because I, and I remember pitching it to Guitar World because I because I kind of had it in there with Caddick uh, for like a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I pitched it. I'm like, this is what I'd like to do. Like, okay, get it down to this. I'm like, all right, you know. And so, um, I pitched it to her. I'm like, hey, could we do this? Could we set up? She's like, oh my goodness, that'd be amazing. And it was so cool. Like, like she really knows her stuff, man. She was a great player. She had a band out. Um, I can't remember because I think the album was going to be Howl and Moan. But they all were doing like the like tongue in cheek kind of stuff. Like, like I really appreciate when women use their sexuality to basically make fun of of the typical stereotypes that have gone on over the years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So anyway, that was the Fuzzbox girl. And that's how I got into Fuzz because like I started following that channel. I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what she has to say. And so she was one of the first people to intelligently explain the Fuzz. And so I understood the different sounds. And then she worked with another independent effects builder. And um, they put out a Fuzz called the Fuzz Fatale. 
And oh, I think that was probably like nice. the first fuzz box I ever bought. And I mean, it's seriously limited edition. Like you can't find them anymore. I don't even know if they're up for sale because the, the people that have them love them. Like it's fantastic. But anyway, that was a real roundabout way to tell you about the gear that I got this week. Um, and I don't think there's been any music this week, oddly enough. Uh, well, that that in itself was quite the story. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, holy jeez, the whole time, the whole time you're saying fuzz, 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 and I, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if it's a thing in the U.S., but the fuzz is also another expression for the police. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it like the pigs became more the colloquial term down here. At mm-hmm. some point, but I think up until like the like somewhere in the early '80s, it shifted from fuzz to pigs. Yeah, yeah, and I still refer to fu- like I still call them the fuzz. Yeah, I guess that's I, just. I honestly think that um, oh, who was it? Um, oh my goodness, Cypress Hill. I think Cypress Hill, um, was one of the bands that helped uh, move it from fuzz to pigs. Ah, but like, and I'm trying to trying to think of the song. I think it's Cypress Hill. Oh man, can't remember the song now. But anyway, but yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely a shift. Like it was somewhere somewhere in the eighties is when it started to shift. But yeah, it, it was fuzz for the longest time. Then it shifted to pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, with myself, you uh, want to beat the Monday blues? You know, it's like ah, Monday, the new work week. I just had a great weekend. I got to get up and do it all over again. The best way to beat that is hit the record shop. Yes, it is. Okay, okay, because that's what I did Monday morning. First of all, I want to say hello and horns up to our good buddy, Jason Churko. He, uh, we've had him on the show before as uh, dealing, like he's the... Uh, He's one of the employees at Into the Music, and we had him on the show talking about, you know, working in a record store in 2020, you know, with the way the business is now. He was selling some of his own private stash, shall we say. So now I got a handful of cool vinyl records here I'm selling. Do you want in on this? So it's like... I. I went a little, little, went a little overboard, I think, and bought like five vinyl albums off them, and all that, including the uh, the first two Baptist albums, uh, Bushcraft and Blood Mines. I have them right here in my my hot little fists. As it is, of course, Baptist, a really cool uh, grind band out of uh, Vancouver, really making a name for themselves up up here um geez shit as i was doing kind of like some research for this it just it's like oh shit oh yeah baptist just put out that beacons of faith record just a couple years ago and i don't think that ever got mentioned on this show which you know shame shame on me it's definitely something we should have talked about um another really cool record from him was uh the very verdi dirty brutal black metal band vermin womb we have played them before i picked up their decline record from them the second trap them record seizes seizures in barren paradise that's some good you know heavy 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 grind and of course um nails who's 
you know, they're now signed on to nu- Nuclear Blast, I believe, and they're oh, really, yeah, they're really making uh, headway within the underground. And of course, their uh, second album, Abandon All Life, um, which I have had on CD. Okay, it's a it's gonna it's gonna go down in history. It's just an amazing underground album. The ba- the record that put nails on the map. But it's like, okay, you want to set me up with the vinyl version? Sure, sure. <laughs> and and um, while while I'm there at the store, you know, buying these records off him, I said, you know what, I'm gonna take a look around the shop and all that. You know, see see what else I can find, and I found a copy of Alice Cooper's Muscle of Love on vinyl. That goes way back. Holy shit. That was back in 73. You know, it had the songs, you know, Muscle of Love, Working Up a Sweat, Teenage Lament, 74, and all that. Oh, yeah. That song, man, Teenage Lament, like, I was cranking that in the 80s as a teenager, and I could totally relate to that song. Everything that you know, that a teenager feels at that time and how they feels about the world around them and all that. And it's just, that is just a timeless song that I think anyone, any teenager, any era, any decade can totally relate to. God, someone from today has to, has to cover that and update it. So and, speaking sorry? of Alice Cooper real quick, did you see the Instagram post I tagged you on where it was Alice Cooper with all the Muppets? No, I haven't been on... Oh, you need to check it out. So I, I tagged the Radioactive Metal account in it, and it's like um, Alice Cooper is surrounded by Gonzo, Kermit, and then Sweetums and some of the other like monster-looking ones. Right. And somebody put something... Because um, they're saying, like, yeah, Alice Cooper, The Muppet Show. And somebody said, nah, that's Julia Louise Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to go out and look at it. It's cool. Okay. But, like, Alice Cooper, man, that, that guy is just timeless. Uh-huh, for sure, for sure, for sure. And we were supposed to just 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 a little while ago, maybe about two weeks ago, was he was supposed to be here like on that that day, you know, you check Facebook and all that, and it's like, oh, look at that. If all of this bullshit that's affecting the world right now wasn't going on, I'd be going to an Alice Cooper concert tonight. Well, fuck me. I've never seen him live. Please. Uh, no, that's, that's, yeah, I really want to. It's it's definitely a show that that you have to. I've had the good fortune of seeing them a handful of times and all that, and with with various different lineups, like in his band and all that. And it's just, I just, I just love the way because he's the old man, you know, and the way he interacts and he brings on these young guns and young girls to come in. And to you know, be a part of his band, and like you, like this, just because I, I can relate to that. Like you are one of my few friends that are my age. You know, yeah. I'm like the old man of the scene. I'm cool, Uncle Snowy. Yes, you're in definitely the Winter, old. In the Winter, <laughs> scene and all that. So I can definitely relate to that, and I hope uh, Alice Cooper is with us for a very long time. Remember the good old days of just buying music unheard there was no internet they would they weren't playing anything on the radio and all that you just had to trust your gut oh yeah 
Okay, maybe, you know, you'll read a review or an interview in uh, Metal Forces or Krang or whatever. I saw this record at the shop that I I didn't even know it existed, and I still haven't exactly played it yet, because when I sit down to play this record, I want to shut off. I want the headphones on. I want to shut off the rest of the world, even maybe turn off the lights after, you know, the brood has gone to bed and all that, because I found... A double, a double vinyl edition of Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. No. Now apparently in nineteen seventy eight, there was a you know there was a musical, Dude. you know which which featured Phil Lynott and Joe Partridge. Wow. You know of uh, of of the of War of the Worlds, and I dig musicals. Like I took. I took Mrs. Snowy to see Rock of Ages, and I went to the Evil Dead, and, and um, I have the. Uh, Come on, man! You need to tell uh, me that you've seen Cats, something like that. Like those no. are all pretty, pretty metal musicals. Like, come on, tell me you've no, seen Cats or Family Opera. Come that. on, no. Phantom, I do want to see. What about at Jesus some, Christ Superstar? At some point in my life, I will go to that as well. But yeah, like Phantom does make its rounds you know here in uh here in my in my neck of the woods haven't gone to it yet i will i will though so like when i saw this record i'm like wow because i know the war of the world story oh yeah how it you know how the how the radio drama actually tricked people years ago about how you know oh no we're being invaded and meanwhile it was a radio play and then decades later the kind of the same thing happened with the Blair Witch Project movie yeah. now that yeah. think about it because everyone well not everyone but a lot of people got sucked into thinking that it was a snuff film and like this was based on a true this is true actual found found footage and all that it, it was shot so well like they did such a good oh, yeah. job of making it look like amateur footage you know mm-hmm. it's fantastic oh is that that's absolutely amazing and so yeah so maybe even tonight maybe even tonight if i get a chance like i said i'm just going to shut shut the world off and listen to the musical version of war of the worlds i was finally also able to get to not only to my record shop but i have my um my my magazine newsstands that I like to that I'm pretty mon, pretty monogamous with they always have what I'm looking for this one shop up here in Winnipeg I've swear to God I've been going to this shop at least once a week barring an act like this okay once a week since 1985 when I first moved here I've been going to this same same shop this same newsstand and uh, I picked up a couple cool magazines first of all for me in this area for what i know to be the latest episode of decibel of disciple which is actually the may may 2020 okay um i think with everything that's been going on in the world we haven't been getting new magazines in that they haven't been crossing the border or anything like that. So yeah, it's looking that's been like, strange here too. Like I can't figure out some things are updating, some things aren't. aren't <clears throat> it's been yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. When you go on Decibel's uh, website, they're like two or three issues ahead of the one that I have in my hot little fist here. 
you know, with the cover, with uh, Enslaved on the cover, and we got Abysmal Dawn and Mirker, Temple of Void, and a flexi uh, courtesy of Kira Thungal, who we had on the show earlier this year. So I'm going to be getting into that. And okay, I don't have any tattoos. I'm not pierced, inked, or dyed anyway, or any, anywhere. But, I'm honestly still surprised about that. Uh, a lot of people are. Especially yeah, since your wife is. Yeah, she's heavily tatted up. Little Snowy is heavily tatted up as well. It's just tattoos are part of our lives. It's just not a part of mine. So, But I'm a regular reader of Inked magazine. Oh, because yeah. I like that they magazine, too. They have interviews with... Um, various different pop culture people that have tattoos there's a lot of music artists especially hardcore they've had some wrestlers and actors and all that remember pre everybody getting tattoos when there was just a few artists you saw rollins had the sleeves um rose tattoo the band rose tattoo they had a lot of tats and all that and ozzy yeah had you know, those two tattoos on his shoulders and all that. And that really, that really stood out. Like you you could take one look, you, you can cover up Ozzy's face, just see his shoulders. And you would know that that was Ozzy. Dude, same with Rollins because, um, I, I went to see the Rollins band play when he was, he was about to kick off a tour with the mother superior group for the get some go again record. And I had no idea, because, I mean, this is still the early days of the internet. Nobody was really covering this stuff that well. I just knew Rollins Band was playing. It was a couple hours away. I got in the car and I went. And I'm driving through this back alley, and I see this guy just hanging out. I'm like, man, those tattoos look familiar. Because I saw the tattoos first. I'm like, oh, those look familiar. And I fall up the arm. I'm like, holy shit, it's Henry. You know, but I recognized the tattoos first. Wow. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, just hang, hanging out in the back alley, you know. No lemmies, though. <laughs> no lemmies. No lemmies. No lemmies, no. No, no. No, anyways. I think that for this, with the very first time ever, and it's definitely a long time coming, in the latest episode, episode in the latest issue of Inked, the Oz man himself is on the cover. And when I first saw that, I immediately said to myself, well, it's about fucking time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like, why wasn't, why wasn't he like the first, the person, like the first, you know, the, 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 the first cover artist, like ever. Like, the stigma hmm. of tattoos has changed so much in 20 years. Oh yeah. There is none now. It's, you know, it's totally. There's still a little bit, depending on who you talk to, but, I think so many people are more open about it. There's much more appreciation to just the art of it. I mean, you know, let, let's let, let, let's just, you know, accept the fact that it's beautiful art if it was hanging on a wall. But the fact that somebody can make it look good on a living canvas that's moving the whole time they're trying to do what they're doing with a vibrating needle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't pen and ink. This isn't charcoal. This isn't a pencil. Like, this is like a vibrating needle on flesh. And there are good tattoos, and there are bad tattoos. <laughs> well, you got to you know? go to the good artists. But, I mean, everybody has to be a bad tattoo artist to become a good tattoo artist. <laughs> you know? like, And the thing is, like, the best tattoo artists, if you look at their legs, they are covered in 
awful tattoos because that's how they practice. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Fortunately, in Snowy Manor here, we have been blessed with some uh, awesome artists and all that. All of all of the ladies in my life, all their t- all their tats look really cool and all that. So, and she's going to be uh, Mrs. Snowy is going to be getting. It's just as soon as she's comfortable enough to go, go out and make her way out in the world. You you'll recall we had um, Kay Stewart on the show. You know the lo- the local Winnipeg tattoo artist. We oh, had yeah. her on talking about talking about tattooing and all that. Mrs. Snow is going to be calling her up and making an appointment just as soon as she's ready. What I what what are the things that just I don't know. I was like a kid in a candy store with these this stack of new of this stack of wax. Okay, because um, I like I said, I went out Monday morning. I only had time to go to the shop, and then I had to go straight to work. Okay, well, I got I got to work. I got to my office. I shut the door. I pulled all the records out, and I was like a kid Christmas morning, you know, op- opening up the records and looking at the gatefold and checking out the vinyl and seeing if it, there was any cool colors or whatever, reading all the liner notes and all that. Must have spent a good half hour just 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 before my shift, just just being giddy. I hope this feeling never goes away. Oh, dude, I'm with you, man. <laughs> and if and if it does, okay, just put me in the box. I'm done. I'm done. I've I've often said when music no longer excites you, you're done. If that pretty girl doesn't at least turn your head, okay then you're done. Don't be a pig or anything, but when that pretty girl no longer interests you, like you are saying, you know, earlier in the show, yeah, you're a really pretty girl, but I need to know, I gotta talk to you about guitars. On the surface, though, if that pretty girl at least if didn't turn your head, then you're done. You're uh, done. Well, so. when there's guitars involved, like, the guitars are gonna take precedence. Oh, of course. Of course. But I'm just saying, like, you noticed... You know, you yeah, but not you. always. Sometimes, so here's another fun story from the Nam because I th- I think I may have mentioned that these people that I work for, the Mormon people, I also dated their daughter who is seven years younger than me. Okay. Right, and you know, if anyone's free, like holy cow, seven years—that's that's a big difference. They were 14 years between the husband and wife, so you oh. know, seven was like nothing. But, um, <laughs> the. The moment that they really kind of relaxed, I think, about, you know, the two of us dating was when um, it was just uh, the wife and I uh, that had gone to, and not my wife, like the owner of the music store, but right. um, we'd, we went to a NAM and we had a, had a picture taken and I'm like, yeah, look at this great picture of us at the command booth because, you know, we dealt with command and I don't even think command exists anymore. It was sole defender and who knows, but we're there and they have this big um um like mural behind us that we didn't catch is a big big photograph of a naked woman and you know strategically covered of course but Mm -hmm. neither one of us noticed and we did almost all of our business in that booth we were there daily (laughs) neither one of us noticed it and it was and, and like and here's the funny part is here we are in front of this naked woman with our picture. So like she is in tears laughing. Like she thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, I never even noticed. Like 
I, I, I didn't see it once. So, yeah, when guitars are involved, man, like, I'm really not going to notice. Fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. You know what, dude? It is sweltering here. I'm done my two cobalt coffee. I'm going to go and get a cold beer. So while I'm doing that, let's get into some tunage here. Um, let's go with some Baptists from that Blood Mines record. Once again, thanks a lot, Jace. This is Baptists with For Profit. Yes! 
I believe last episode we never got to uh, to playing it, but I mentioned um, Austrian death metalers disavowed their new record, Revocation of the Forgotten, is now available. So I'm going to take this opportunity to drop one of their tracks from that record. That was Process of Comprehension. Good stuff, good stuff. Oh, okay. Sorry, while... Well, while we're playing those tunes, I had to, like I said, I had to run downstairs and grab something cold. Because, dude, it is sweltering. It is sweltering here. Holy shit. Welcome to the South. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know, like, Canada and even parts of the parts of the U.S., like your North Dakotas and all that, which is, it's got the same, you know, both climates that... Um, that manitoba has that i have and i know like people from the south like to give uh canadians a hard time for living here in the extreme cold and and all that well you know you talk to people from north dakota and all that they 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 tell you the same thing they're like yeah we get it too we get it too <laughs> so yeah yeah i believe our um ex-co-hostess corinne she has uh family that live in North Dakota, so they're going through all of that. Um, before we get on with tonight's discussion, though, because um, once again, we are kind of creature featureless, and that's kind of intentional just because I wanted to give you know, what is going on today. I wanted to give as much time to that as possible but before we get there there is a petition at uh change.org going on right now to um last episode as you will recall we announced and dedicated it to the legendary shy pig he of snfu fame had passed away yeah Okay, well, um, there's a petition going on right now to get Mr. Pig a spot on the Canadian Walk of Fame. So, what's the Canadian Walk of Fame? Like a whole bunch of maple leaves on the ground? <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know what? I'm not 110% sure. I, have, I haven't oh, really I'm looking looked this up. up. Hang I, on. I, I think it's, I think, though, it's kind of like, you know, in L.A., you have the, the star yeah, walk yeah, the stars, and all yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think it's something like that. Okay, See, yeah. here in Canada, we don't put a lot of emphasis on this stuff, but, like, we do have it. <laughs> it is a maple leaf. <laughs> <laughs> they took a star and made into a maple leaf. Like, here's Mario Lemieux's. And then they have Celine Dion, they have her Hollywood Walk of Fame star, and then next to her Canadian star here, there's a picture of both of them. Oh, this is, oh, dude, come on. We can't make this kind of stuff up. This is great. And, like, here's, like, the official Walk of Fame website, and it's, like, this big maple leaf. O-M-G. Where's this, where's this at? I think Toronto. Of course, Toronto, Toronto yeah. maple leaves. Of course. Oh, it's a maple leaf. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that would have been funnier is if it was like a big moose head with their name in the middle like that would have been even better oh my goodness 
Well, this this petition came to my attention from Joel Dyson. He of withdrawal fame. You know, we've had him on the show before. And Next vacuum record. cleaners. Don't forget yeah. the vacuum cleaners. Very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have him. We'll have him. Uh, definitely have him on again. So this came to my attention from him. Thank you so much. So right now, radioactive metal is going to officially. Sign this petition to get Canadian legend Shy Pig on Canada's Walk of Fame. Let's get that fine Canadian boy a nice maple leaf in front of this Toronto... Hang on, where is it? It's in front of Roy Thompson Hall, the Princess of Wales Theatre, and the Royal Alexandria Theatre on King Street in Toronto. And then we'll all eat some poutine while, um, while it's dedicated. Right on, right on. So, yes, it's very apropos that I have a Labatt Blue here in my hand when I do this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness, this is the best Canadian stereotype ever. Please tell me you have some maple syrup right beside you, too. Come on. Uh. <laughs> yes. uh. There we are. Oh my we goodness. have officially... Radioactive Metal has signed Shy Pig, the petition to get Shy Pig on Canada's Walk of Fame. Oh, this is amazing. I just, I just can't get over this. It's really a maple leaf. This is so stinking cool. Today, as we speak, not when this episode is out, but right now, as you and I are talking, it is the 40th anniversary of one of the greatest records of all time. New Kids Spurton. on the Block. No, wait, that's only 20. Darn. <laughs> Son of a gun, I'm so close. This, on this day, 40 years ago, we saw the release of ACDC. I said ACs. Back in Black. Dude. Has it been 40 fucking years already? You I can't ready believe it's old? that old. Oh. Like, I it, really feel old. Because <laughs> it's just, it, it doesn't seem that, it doesn't really seem that long. You know, but I guess, hmm, hmm. I guess because of, because for me personally, all right, um, I hear my younger friends say way back when, or back in the day, or that's really old. And they're talking about stuff from the early 90s. Right. Or the 80s or whatever. And I just kind of look at them and like, really? No, no, no. If it's out before 1970, then it's old. <laughs> okay? Anything after 1970 is just not old. But that's just that's just me, obviously. You know, when I was... When we were kids, like when this record first came out, I guess... Something from the 60s I mean, felt old, old to us. Yeah. Yeah, so as you get older and as you mature and all that, I guess I guess stuff like that kind of changes. Um, with this record, do you remember where you were? I guess we were both about the same age. We were about 10, 10, 11 or so when this record first came out. Do you remember where where you were and just all 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 that stuff how well, old you were etc i'm 48 i'll be 49 at the end of this year so i would have been eight when this album came out okay 
So this album would not have hit my radar. What would have been hitting my radar would have been anything by the Beach Boys. Um, Culture Club was probably coming up here soon. I I think that I discovered this album somewhere between 84 and 86. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one that's the exact pin to pinpoint the exact time was very difficult for me. How did you like what what format did you first find this on? Well, I had to figure that one out, right? So because I, I want to check out my vinyl. And have we ever talked about how particular my father was about vinyl? Uh, I know you grew up in a musical family. Well, there was a love of music. Yeah, there's a lot of love of music. And my dad was really like, he, he was an audiophile before I knew that that was a thing, right? Um, he had the, you know, like really good um, tape decks and record players and fine needles and counterbalances to make sure that the needle barely touches the album so you don't do any damage, that kind of stuff. And his philosophy was don't buy anything on cassette buy everything on vinyl and then record it to a cassette and listen to the cassette until that cassette right. wears out. Then you, then you play it again. Like you keep the vinyl in good shape because the vinyl is the best sounding thing. Right. Right. And, um, so that's how most of my record albums are. That's why like, I have pretty much every kiss album up through, uh, I think until right before hot in the shade on vinyl. Um, cause that's how I got them all, you know? And then I went back and rebought some on CD. Um, but so, Back in Black would have been one of the first cassettes I ever purchased. Oh. You know? And I think it was because I couldn't either find the album or I really wanted to buy a cassette because that was like the thing that other people were doing. I'm like, I'm going to buy this on cassette. And um, I, I like play that cassette everywhere I went. Like, I love that cassette. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's how I first got it. How about you? Like, did you get it on vinyl the first time or how did you uh. Yeah, yeah, but I like like you. I believe it was a couple years later. Like I'm trying to remember. Like, and and it, it's kind of funny that this week I should go on a big uh, a big record binge like this and bring home a stack of records because I remember before back in block before getting that record and it was around that it was. I'm trying to remember, you know, like like I said, it's going to be kind of hard to pinpoint, but around the time that that record, that Back in Black came out, I remember going and getting my, like, you know, as a kid, you get individual records. You didn't buy big stacks of them at one time and all that. Well, I remember one time, it was around the time this record came out, and as a family excursion, we all went to a flea market. Okay, and you know what a flea market oh, yeah. is, right? I love um, flea markets. I ended up coming home with a huge stack of records because they were cheap. Mum bought them for me and all that. And as I recall, it was I, I had Kisses Black Diamonds, Kisses Dressed to Kill, Queens of Noise from the Runaways, um, and uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell and Dirty Deeds Thunder Cheap and there might have been a couple other pop albums in, in, in there as well I brought home this big stack of wax wow dude Okay, so that was kind of my introduction to ACDC like beforehand and then I think it was shortly after that when I just discovered ACDC I don't, for, for the life of me my brother might have brought it home at first and then it just eventually 
made its way, you know, into my my collection because that's that that's what happened, you know. Oh, like yeah. my brother, my my brother was a music fan, and our record collections were interchangeable. Now he didn't want most of that heavy mental stuff, you know. Oh, but, such uh, a shame. And <laughs> yet he liked some... motorcycles. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> he was yeah yeah he was a motorhead like he was a motorbike fan. You know, I just never really got into the heavy mental. That stuff's going to make you, you know, why your bedroom's down in the basement, eh? Because <laughs> mom and dad are afraid that heavy mental is going to make you go berserk and you're going to take a butcher knife to them at night and all that. That's, that's an actual quote. My brother actually said that to me one time. <laughs> that was really the popular belief in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. It really sure. was. Yeah. You it know. was the height of the satanic panic and... Yeah, that was going to make you kill yourself or kill, you know, and all that. Which ACDC didn't help, you know, with their song Night Stalker. Oh, I forgot about that, that yeah. one. Yeah, was good. yeah that, that shit, that definitely didn't help. So, yeah, long story short, too late. I believe the very first for- format was was on vinyl, just like a lot of, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, as it did. But as I got older and entered into adulthood, I did end up getting it on cd as well i don't think a cassette ever made its way into our household of it but but i have i had um picked up a rather unique format okay for this record you're familiar with six feet under the death metal band oh yeah chris barnes he was in cannibal corpse the first three records and went on to form six feet under they had their Graveyard Classics series of cover song albums and all that. Well, Six Feet Under, Graveyard Classics 2, they re-recorded the entire Back in Black album. <laughs> You're looking it up now? I sure am. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> even hesitating. I'll be listening to this as soon as we hang up. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, very, very... Very, very, very interesting. Like I, like I had the first graveyard classics. Like okay, th- this is cool. And oh then, goodness. hang on, this what? is just hysterical. Graveyard classics four, the number of the priest. This is amazing. Oh, oh. <laughs> these are just great. Oh my god, these are so funny. You know what? People can give Chris Barnes all the shit they want, and um, it's probably deserving. Okay, but he loves his music. Oh yeah. And he loves, he loves, he loves paying tribute to it. Definitely, definitely. Did you have a favorite song off of off of Back in Black? Yes, but I also wanted to point out real quick before we move on from the format that um, Back in Black was the first CD I ever purchased. Oh, wow! So CDs, as you recall, were coming into fashion right around the end of the eighties. You know. Right. And one of the first songs I ever heard on CD, because my dad worked at Radio Shack and they were demoing these, you know, five or $600 CD players, right? And, you know, everybody let that sink in because you can buy a Blu-ray player today for movies for 30 bucks, but a CD player <laughs> was like 600 bucks in the, in the uh-huh. 80s, right? So just let that sink in before you complain about the price of your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so um, because I bought it on cassette, like, you know, when CDs come around, I'm like, well, I want to get it on something that's going to be way more permanent. So that was the first CD I bought because I, I love that album. Like, it's in, insanely influential. 
Um, and I feel like I'm going to be a cliche when I say that my favorite song is uh, You Shook Me All Night Long. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing I, wrong with that. That is a classic song. I think that... it's up there with Whole Lot of Rosie as one of the perfect rock songs. Oh, like, for sure. For when sure. you think of how it starts in the way it builds musically, and then like they take it up to this big bombastic chorus, and then they bring it all back down. They strip it all back down for that guitar solo, and then they build it back up. It's like, oh my goodness. Like it. It's like just perfect rock and roll it definitely is definitely is that is one of that it's that song okay that made you know my mother an acdc fan that she wanted to go and see acdc live and all that because wow she just she just she just heard that she just heard that song and that's probably a lot of people that's like really one of the few rock songs that my mother-in-law actually likes Wow. Uh, whether or not she would actually just put it on herself, I doubt it at her age now and all that. But yeah, like I remember years ago when she told me, Oh yeah, that A C D C has that 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 song shook me all night long. That's a really good song. There should be more rock songs like that one. I'm like, Holy shit. Who who are you, pod person? That's What'd you do with crazy. my mother? Right? Yeah, yeah. That's just the impact that the, this record has. It's it's it was so good. It's, gener- it's it's generational, and to this day, you know, I'm sure a lot of younger fans are discovering ACDC through that through that same record. So, and I don't think it sounds dated either. Like if if you think about stuff that came out in 1980, there are certain records you listen to and you just cringe, like, oh wow, I listen. To oh this. yeah, yeah. But this album doesn't sound dated. Or at least it doesn't occur to you that when you're listening to it, it, it doesn't make you go, oh, ever 80s, you're right. Right, yeah. It, it It's just rock and roll. And it's great rock and roll, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song that, that really stuck out for me, it's still, if I was to make a list of my top 10 favorite songs of any genre, any era, but um, Shoot the Thrill. Oh, it's, good one! It's yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it appeared in the Marvel movies, yes, years later, I yes. marked out so much, dude. Their use of ACDC <laughs> with Tony Stark, like when when he hacks in and um, was, was that the first Avengers movie where he hacks yeah. in and he starts playing "Shoot to Thrill"? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, like you just want to cheer. It's like yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And of course, Iron Man two. Was basically ACDC's greatest hits. Yeah, you know, like the sound, the soundtrack album, and it's like, okay, I've got all these songs. I'm, in, you know, I'm look, I'm, I'm looking at the Iron Man two soundtrack CD, and it's like, okay, I've got this song, got this, got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still buying it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, like I want, you know, this is this is a whole new thing. Because it's just, just cool, just, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's definitely, I was totally geeking out at, at that moment. And when, when I'm at work, like I said, at, at Money Job, all I have is a old-fashioned ghetto blaster. I've only got terrestrial radio. Trust me, that song gets played a lot. Everything stops for five minutes. Everything stops. The volume gets cranked. And I just lose myself. It's so good, man. 
Uh-oh. Is that me? Crap. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> Crap. I was trying... I don't know. I think I accidentally did a commercial thing. I was. Tr- what I was trying to do is, while we were talking, I was trying to look up, like, the Billboard Top 100s and things for that year, that month, so we could kind of compare what else came out at that same time and see if it stood the test of time as well as back in black. But apparently uh-huh. I clicked on some sort of website with a lot of stuff. So, uh, sorry listeners, cause I was hoping that wasn't coming through the mic, but oops. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not either way, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot the thrill, shoot the thrill. Um, it's so good, dude. With, with this, this isn't going to be like our usual spotlight. You know, there's going to be some some of the usual categories and all that that we have, you know, when we do our spotlight episodes. And one of those that I always like to squeeze in there as often as I can because there's, they're, they're, they're just so fun to talk about. But if you have, like, a favorite moment, a favorite memory, and something to do in your life, that is somehow connected to this album. But did you have do you have anything you want to share? I couldn't tell you the year, but I can tell you the name of my band at the time was Anastasia. And it's kind of funny because that didn't hit me until after we named my daughter Anastasia. But that was okay. the name of like one of my first bands. And um <laughs> man, I can't remember if we had this conversation. I feel like we might have talked about my neighbor up the street. Oh, we did last week. So my neighbor up the street, whose um, dad married his student, like the whole high school thing. We talked about the police don't stand so close to me, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so their son, um, he's four, probably four years older than me. I think he was like, I can't remember if he was a senior when I was a freshman or if I was in eighth grade. But I was the only bass player around, or like one of two. So um, you know, he would come get me. It's like, listen, you're going to come play with me. Um, Because they needed a bass player. So, but it was me and him. um, And his name was Jamie. And then there's a guy that I'm still friends with today, like on Instagram, Facebook, and on Untapped. His name's Ed. And Ed had this gorgeous red warlock. Just gorgeous red warlock, right? Just so Mm -hmm. fucking cool, this warlock. Um, I cannot remember the name of our drummer, but, you know, like drummers... Like, the, the whole Smile Tap thing with drummers spontaneously combusting and just all the weird things, that's not that far from the truth. I mean, most of them don't blow up, but there are a lot of just flighty drummers. Like, if you mm-hmm. get a good drummer, like, a, a good drummer is literally worth five times their weight in gold. Oh, um, for sure. Because it's so hard to find a good one. And But then we had um, a guy on keyboards, and his name was... Oh my goodness. No, Joe. Because I because his brother Mike was in my grade. But then Joe was like, I think the grade ahead of me. So we played a Fourth of July picnic. You know what? Was this eighty eight? When would he have been a senior? Oh shit, was it eighty six or eighty seven? Okay, somewhere in there. I'm trying to think what whatever year Jamie would have graduated. It was somewhere around there. So somewhere between eighty six and eighty seven. I'm playing bass. We played a show at um, the Cranberry Township Park, 4th of July show. I don't know how he got this show set up. And we had a pavilion. And on the set list, um, the two songs I remember is, one, we played Johnny Be Good, because I sang it. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh-huh. And two, we played um, You Shook Me All Night Long. And 
I was so excited because Ed just ripped on guitar, right? So he's got his Warlock, and we did that solo section perfect. Oh, like just the chills (laughs) from playing that were just amazing. So yeah, so playing that was just absolutely insane. Wow, awesome, man. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That's oh, stuff like that never gets old. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, like it's, it's still with old. me. I mean, however many years later at this point, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, just man. And Ed's still playing guitar, thankfully, because like excellent. I said, we follow each other on Instagram, so I watch when he gets new new axes and stuff. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Music, you know, friends for life. For it sure, really is, sure. man. Like, like. Wow. When when you when you get into music, like it's it's a whole different language, it's a whole different way of being. It's it's its own subculture within popular culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, it's a connection. Yeah, I, I have a story I'll tell you off air because oh, okay. <laughs> just remind me <laughs> about the, the the music connection. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and then, like maybe once we filter it through you, maybe we can figure a way to tell it on air. But we'll see. <laughs> Okay. Ah, you've got me thinking now. <laughs> Anyways, back I remember I remember as a teenager and all that, the Camaros were a thing. Oh. Like every hard rocker, every metalhead had to have a Camaro. Or that a Trans Am. That... It was one yeah. the, oh. the I was a Camaro guy though. I was a Camaro okay. guy. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, when oh, you're yeah. cruising around, you need cruising music. Okay. And I don't know what it was. It's just, it's just, it was, maybe it was the, it was the times, you know, I'm talking the early, mid eighties and all that. ACDC was the perfect cruising music. Okay. Because every time you saw a Trans Am, a Camaro, a sports car, anything like that, nine times out of 10, okay, you heard ACDC or Judas Priest, actually. Priest was wicked cruising music too and it's just it's just because if you're I, in I a camaro you are breaking the law breaking the law <laughs> that's right that's right that's right so it it was it was almost a given yeah you know and now you know as the 90s rolled along and all that it all kind of changed and all of a sudden like people are cruising to rap music like with the bass cranked where you can't even decipher any of the music and they're they're bouncing up and down the car on the the shocks or the springs or whatever and i'm just kind of like are you guys for real like uh, okay i guess it's the times i mean i do I still know. dig the cars and the shocks because that started somewhere in the 80s and i've always liked that uh, okay okay but for me it's like i just uh, i never i never understood it man acdc total cruising music we had this tradition okay yeah in high school and we were the last generation to do this okay that at the beginning of every year... Hang on. It doesn't matter I, what you say next. You're going to sound so old. It really doesn't You set that up. I, you're going to yeah, sound so I, old. It doesn't I, matter. I, I am because um, we were the last generation to do this. The beginning of every school season was high school football season, those first couple months okay. as well. Every Friday night, okay... You know, during those first first couple months, on the football field at the high school, at the fifty-five yard line, 
we all had a party, a BYOB, bring your own beer party and all that. We used to call them the 55s because they were at the 55-yard line, but it went all over the school Why yard. Why the 55-yard line? Why not just right on the 50? Like you I walked don't... five extra yards? This makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know. It was just called the 55. I mean, if you had a five-pack, 55 <laughs> ounces, like anything, the 55-yard line, like it makes no sense. I would never questioned it. I, I didn't. <laughs> it was just a big party that we had every Friday night in high school. Okay, okay? so like, now I do have to ask this. So if you're talking about football in Canada, is this soccer or is this like no, no, American it's, it's football? It's American go Steelers type football. Okay. <laughs> I love you had to say go Steelers. Thank you for that. <laughs> that's, the first, that's the first team that came to my head. But say yeah, it right, no, go it's, Steelers. It, it, it's, not, it's not what we call soccer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. Uh, uh, we would have these the these parties, and of course, the only music that people were able to bring because it was outside and all the only music we had were those Camaros, were those Trans Ams. More often than not, oh, I know it was it was ACDC being being cranked, and they a up, lot of times they open the doors and they. Blare the music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. used to do that in field parties, like up up through the nineties. We were still doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And more often than not, it was back in black. One of the things that we did, well, I didn't because I didn't drive and all that. But one of the traditions at these parties, drag racing in the fifties. Okay, you know how you would the, put on a the, dress the, and run run against somebody else. Yeah, now, totally they, different, right? They would drag race. Okay, well, we had a little stretch beside the football field. Yeah. Okay, where we would, where whoever had a car and whoever wanted to race, okay, they would do their drag racing down this section of the road. And I honestly think, like after after our generation had left and graduated, I met some people. That went to my school, just like through out living and all that, through jobs and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I went to your school. I was the next generation before you. I would ask, excuse me, I would ask about the 55s and all that. And they would be like, what was that? What? Oh, you, you guys let the 55s die, you bastards. Oh. Or they're like, don't you mean the 50? Like, we never understood why anybody did it on the 55. Like, we didn't want to walk that far. Sometimes it was a 40, maybe it was a 25. <laughs> One of the things I'll never forget at these 55 parties is, okay, doing the drag race, someone in a car yeah. challenged my brother on his motorbike. Oh, how'd that and, go? And not not for pink slips or anything oh, no, like no, that because oh, this is Canada, yeah. okay? Right, they it's just, for moose. They, <laughs> they just wanted and maple leaves. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I here, I I don't know. I still know nothing about cars, but I know well, there's an ignition. That, you put the key in, you turn it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start so with the basics. Once, once you do all that, the motorbike gets a much greater jump. Oh yeah, you know, start than a car would. Well, my brother was across the finish line before this guy barely got his car moving. <laughs> so I'm curious. What was your brother driving? What was his bike? Uh, a Kawasaki 750. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, he had. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had. Uh, Ooh, I just, I, I remember uh, like people coming up, dude, dude, your your brother's racing. Oh, okay, cool. Let's let's go watch. And I see him pull up his bike beside this car, and I just stood there and went, "Wow, okay." And, and, and anyone want to take bets? <laughs> Because, oh, because my brother's gonna smoke this guy. Sure enough. Oh yeah, uh, dude, sure I'm looking enough. this bike up. Like, who who is stupid enough to race this bike? Yeah, like like, like this this bike just basically says, um, like, <laughs> I'll see you like in two weeks when you catch up. Like, holy shit, oh. this bike, mm-hmm. dude. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What oh. were they thinking? Memories, memories, man. I think that was, we were like the last generation. Like, like I said, from our school to to have those, which is which is too bad. And you know what? I started I started dating Mrs. Snowy as all these were going on as well. I could never get her to come out with me. <laughs> so she's just like, ah, I don't know if I want to see my boyfriend at these type of parties and all that. I might not think too highly of him, but at the end of the night, and yet she still married you. Ah, 31 years this year, it's yeah. Beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. For sure, for sure. I'm the luckiest man in the world, trust me. I, I know, know it. Lucky she hasn't killed you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> While going over this awesome record that has meant so much to us throughout our lives, I found, you know, there's some interesting trivia, some a little bit of this and that, some whys. And wherefores and all that that I just kind of want to touch upon before we get into our uh, our side stage interview later on here. Um, Back in Black was ACDC's seventh album. I'm so yeah. glad you're bringing this up. Keep going. And it is the seventh biggest selling album of all time. Okay, which... Um, it, it, it may, like when you go over like the top selling records of all time, like 80% of them. Okay. And I went through the top 50. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 80, 90, even 90% of them all came from an era that had all three formats, vinyl, cassette, and then CD that like if could, because what, what, what would happen, of course, if you originally bought Fleetwood Mac's Rumors yeah. on vinyl, well, the cassette came out. Well, I should, maybe I'll pick up the cassette. Because you could play no. it in your oh. car. You couldn't play yeah. vinyl in your car. Right, yeah. right. And then the CD came out. Well, you know, we were all under the impression that CDs sounded better than vinyl and all that. And, and that we was were the all... last format. And Nothing that... was going to replace CDs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's kind of... That's kind of changed as well. So I so I noticed going through all all of these top selling records were all you know they had all three of those major formats. Okay, um, back in black, twenty two million records sold. Okay, which that feels wow. low. Um, nah. Not really, because that was that was the seventh largest, the the, the seventh um, biggest selling record of all time. Really, only a million, and I don't know exactly to the number, but really only a million 
kind of separated position number seven from positions six, four, and five as well. Only like a million kind of separated those three within the pack. I've got Wikipedia here with 40 copies or more, 40 million copies or more. Um, but I, and I can't figure out how this is working, but they have like total certified copies. Thriller is number one at 47.3. Mm. And that's, that's done a long time ago. That has changed a long time wow, ago. Okay. And then ACDC is 29.4. So I feel like, I feel like 22 is, is low for, for Bat and Black. Um, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Considering the amount of albums that that um, this, the records, the classic, the huge records that Back in Black outsold, though, because maybe you know that kind of might might change your mind because this, it, and I don't have the the exact numbers for this, but Back in Black, okay, outsold Appetite for Destruction. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, uh, what's her name? Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill." I would hope everybody's yeah. outselling that. I mean, it was a great record, but I don't think it, it had the staying power of these other ones. Yeah, but at the time, it did huge numbers. It was an amazingly big oh, record. That's a good point. Good point. I mean, and out- nothing against that album. Like, I, it's a fantastic album, but I just—it's no back in black. No, no, no. Another black album that it outsold was Metallica's Black Album. Wow. Okay. It, it outsold Born in the USA, believe it or not, Bruce Springsteen. Wow. Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, the Britney, Backstreet, all that crap it outsold. Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits it outsold. And I remember that record was just huge. Jeez, my mom and dad. I remember they were they 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 cranked Simon and Garfunkel all the time. It outsold Purple Rain, Slippery When When Wet, and Hysteria wow. as well. Yeah, yeah, and those were absolutely huge records. The only records that it didn't outsell. Okay, and this goes back to what you were saying about Thriller. Yes, for many many years. Thriller had been the biggest selling record of all time up until about 10 years ago when the Eagles greatest hits surpassed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the greatest, the biggest selling record of all time is the Eagles greatest hits followed by Thriller, then Hotel California, Billy Joel's greatest hits, Led Zeppelin four and Pink Floyd's The Wall are the only records that have outsold Excuse me, back in black, which is that's when you think about that. See, and the wall is, is another album that doesn't sound dated. No, no, because I just think the amazing thing about that is it's it it, it it it's not one of those records like yeah, it had its hit singles, but it's something that you have to enjoy as a whole to yeah. to get the full experience from it and that that goes back to what we've been saying for what for years now back then i believe music fans had because everything wasn't instant it wasn't at your fingertips it wasn't i'll just go on youtube i'll go on spotify i'll go and i'll do this we had when we were younger and all that that generation we had a greater attention span to music 
and all that. Like if we wanted to listen to music, we had to put, we had to make the effort. We had to sit down. We had to put the record on. We had to drop the needle, and we had pretty much just had to focus on yeah. that that one record because we couldn't just. It was. I don't want to say too much trouble, but now it's like, oh, okay, you can listen to two songs, you can hit a button, and you can find something else. Well, there's instantly. so much more access to music now. Oh, I mean, there is. There you is. know, and we've it's talked to this ad nauseum on this show, but I mean, you know, when I think of what I had to do to get any piece of music that I wanted to hear, like, it was not easy. Because, I mean, I lived in the sticks, man. I mean, like, today... If if I if I want to only buy physical copies of music, I could still have uh, like vinyl showing up at my door daily if I'm going to the right sources, and you know like and never run out of stuff to listen to. But that wasn't the case in 1980. You know, not no. even close. No, no, no. It was an event. It was an event when you know a new record came into your life. And I'm just afraid that the generation, this this generation, just isn't getting that thrill. You know. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, as a heavy music fan, that always kind of struck me. Well, may, maybe not so much at the time, but late later on. Okay, Rob Halford left Judas Priest, and then yeah. the next two Priest records tanked. Right. Okay. Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson left Maiden. The next two Maiden records kind of tanked. Right. Sepultura still hasn't really recovered from the loss of Max Cavalera. No. No, but Max is a force of nature. Fair enough. Fair fair, fair enough. Fair enough. With ACDC, and maybe because it's, um, you know, they're, they're appealing to a different audience a more mainstream audience, maybe the point really isn't the same. But when we lost Bon Scott, okay, this Back in Black was Brian Johnson's debut record with ACDC. Yes. And there was zero fan backlash. As a matter of fact, this record went on to surpass any... ACDC record before it and they've never come close really to this success. What 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 do you think attributes to the success bear with 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 the change of the singer and no effect? What do you why do you think that is? What's what well, what attributes to I'm that? I'm so glad you brought this up cuz I want to talk about this, right? So I think there's a few things going on here. And I think a similar thing happened with Iron Maiden. Because remember, Bruce Dickinson wasn't the first Iron Maiden singer. No, right? no. But more often than not, most people do think of him as the first singer. Yeah. but I And I think that there's a parallel between how they brought in Dickinson and how they brought in, um, uh, oh my goodness, Brian Johnson here. So let's think about this, right? So Highway to Hell. I mean, let's face it, it's from Dirty Deeds. Hang on, do I have the um, ACDC album list here? Give me a second. So, first record, High Voltage, then TNT, and then another High Voltage, the international version, right? Then Dirty Mm -hmm. Deeds in 76. Then Let There Be Rock, right? Right. Power Ridge in 79, and then Highway to Hell. Mm -hmm. 
right? So, and I can't remember which one of these has AC or has whole lot of Rosie on it. But between whole lot of Rosie, Highway to Hell, and um, if you want blood, you can't get much better rock and roll songs, right? Like whole lot, mm-hmm. whole lot of Rosie. I will say hands down. If somebody wants to know what's the blueprint to write rock and roll, start here. Start with that. Listen to Johnny Be Good. You're going to see the parallels. You know, the light bulb's going to go off. But like seven albums in, right? And I mean, these were all good albums, but the songwriting got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Right. And when you look at the timeline, Bon Scott dies in February. They're recording again in March. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the time period of the 70s where you were putting out an album every year. Right. But he just died. Because there was such a demand for died. it. Right? So let's think about the fact that, holy shit, you can hold your guitar and write when you just lost this guy that you've spent, you know, how many years fighting through the clubs and all that sort of stuff together. You know? I mean, so so that that's a major loss. That's like losing a family member. When Bond died. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, but 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 I think what made it work was two things. One, like Dickinson, when he came into Iron Maiden, is the vocalist was established in his style. So mm-hmm. th- think about like other bands um, where where they've had like like the vocalist for a while. Like the classic example is Aerosmith. You listen to that first Aerosmith record, and then like three or four albums in, you're like, "Is this the same guy? Is this the same guy singing <laughs> Dream yeah. On?" Like, no, it can't be the same guy, right? Can't be, yeah. Oh you yeah, know? I have this conversation with normies at work. Yeah. When they hear like Mama Kin, and they like, "What? That's yeah, not... who's this? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah and, and they just, they just can't they can't wrap their head around it, right? And because he was finding himself, and I think that's the problem with a lot of vocalists is like. Like they need a few records to like kind of kind of figure themselves out or that sort of stuff. And, and when you have a young band that all starts together, that's what's happening, right? But if you listen to this record, so and let's just talk about the fact um, that this album is like nothing but singles, right? Like mm-hmm. like almost every song on here is a single. Like I don't I don't think there's a single song on this record. That somebody doesn't know. You might say the title and be like, no, I don't know that. You'll play it on, but oh, yeah, I know the song. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the songwriting is like the best songwriting ever, right? Um, But then if you listen to the way Johnson's delivering it, he sounded like he's been with a band for years. Like that kind of chemistry, like you don't get that kind of chemistry easily. And mm-hmm. if you listen to um, like the second Maiden album to the first Maiden album with Dickinson, so um, hang on, it would have been Killers to Number of the Beast. Number of the Beast, yeah. Dickinson sounds more comfortable with Iron Maiden than Paul Diano did on the first two records. You know, like like he just comes in and just just attacks it like a lion, like holy shit, and right off the off the bat with Hell's Bells, Shoot to Thrill. What do you do for money, honey? On that on that first album sign, like like you you can't touch. Like holy shit! Like this delivery is amazing. Like this chemistry is amazing, right? You can just feel mm-hmm. it. Like all this energy. But then <clears throat> it's side two. Side two is what sell, sold this record because one, it was titled Back in Black. 
Two, it was called Back in Black. So they very openly acknowledged the mourning and the passing of Bon Scott. Almost nobody does that when they change Yeah, I'm, oh shit, I never even thought of that, yeah. Right? Nobody does that. And these guys are like, fuck it. This was our brother. We lost him. Here's the tribute. And can, uh, like, so, here's, here's the side two listing. Back in Black, you shook me all night long. Have a drink on me. Shake a leg. Rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Wow. That's one of the most powerful like songs in a row. Like, like the only time you're going to get even a remote little bit of a break is Shake a Leg. And that's still a killer right. song. Like that's the mm-hmm. Shake a Leg's the weakest song on that side. <laughs> and it's still a killer fucking song. Like, like those are like like how do you have that many amazing songs in a row? You know, and openly starting with I'm dead loose from the noose that's kept me hanging around. <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, like, like you can, you cannot like, like, like you, like, I mean, talk about lightning in a bottle, man, you know? And then, yeah, that's, that's a good expression for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it just, wow. And then like, um, there's the, and, and it's so funny that, um, Brian Johnson really doesn't talk about this, this a lot. <laughs> Um, but I was I was watching some documentary. It was either on this album or just in general. But it, you know, he has said that he was actually visited by Bon Scott's ghost. Okay. You know, and it just, dude, when you see him talk about it, and and because because he's like, no, he's like, I'm not going to talk about it again. Because you can tell people have given him shit for it over the years, but just the way he reacts when when it's brought up, like, I believe him. Like, there are a few people I believe, you know, when they talk about that kind of stuff. But just the way he reacts, I'm like, I think I believe him. Because I just, between the delivery, I mean, dude, Highway to Hell. That album with If You Want Blood, like, I mean, like, just holy crap, that album. And then to come out and, like, make an album that's, like, this many hits. I mean, you figure, Hell's Bells, Shoot to Throw, Back in Black. You shook me all night long, and rock and roll and news pollution. That's what five singles off this record. I think so, yeah. You know, I mean, you know how how many records could say they had five singles come out of it? All I can really think is that well, Thriller and yeah. um, Hysteria. I, that, like, that was literally where I was going to. You know, side one and two songs off the of side two, I believe, were all singles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think what it is as well is they like you said, light light lightning in a bottle and with that record they tapped into people that are were discovering music for the first time perhaps because it was the turn of the eighties. Good point. People that were discovering, you know, rock and roll. You know, they became of that age, and there's this, it, they just, songs like Shook, Shook Me All Night Long, like I said, you know, my mother-in-law and my mother, like, really got into this song. So it, it this record managed to find an audience for that, you know, perhaps a lot of hard rock and metal and all that wouldn't have necessarily yeah. found, whether or not it was... Who who knows? Maybe maybe because because it's really commercial, or it's just the right time in the right place and all that. Because every ACDC album has been commercial, so you can't really say, "Well, they sold out with back and forth." Oh, I sure well, didn't. No, 
now. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. You know I mean, what else I think helped them? Let's think about um, You Shook My All Night Long. Let's think about the video, you know, but then let's really focus in on the fact that, you know, for better or for worse, because this this was the start of also like Reagan era America, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you've got that going on. Um, but you've also still got the mystique of the American woman. I mean, the guess who sang about the American woman, right? With the song right. American Woman. Um, mm-hmm. The Beach Boys sang about all the different girls all around the world. You mm-hmm. know? And so the line knocking me out with those American thighs did not hurt them one bit. <laughs> you know what all. I mean? Oh, no. Uh-huh. Like, not, not a bit. Like, like just... The the alliteration in the in it, dude. Like, this is some of the greatest songwriting ever. For that type of stuff, I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, this. I is, mean, like, it's just rock and roll, man. Angus Young is never going to make a good black metal album. He's never going to make a good hardcore record. No, but no. for what he does, yeah, like this is this is it's 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 hard to beat it's hard to beat but the thing is like while he's never going to make a black metal record there is a black metal record that would not have happened without this album you know and chances are it's probably the best one you've heard you know what i mean uh uh, uh, yeah see that's another thing about this this record and it's something i didn't even really think of if you were to make a list of yeah okay you can pinpoint record sales and all that but how can you pinpoint influence oh yeah well you probably can't but you can take a really good educated guess and highway to hell okay back in black if you were to go through like a lot of black metal artists oh absolutely crash metal artists a lot of death metal and maybe it's not in their collection right up front but if you go through their record collection, because like you know, I've I've seen these memes on Facebook and all that. I never judge a person by their religion, you know, their race, their sexuality. I judge people by their record collection. As I was you like, should. yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right, you that's know. right. So some of these black metalers, death metalers, hardcore kids, and all that, they might keep the cool stuff up front dig a little deeper into their record collection. Yeah, and you know what else, though? Like, this album is like what Motorhead is for to be the bridge between punk and metal. Like, mm-hmm. this is the bridge between rock and metal. This this is oh, the, this, this is the so. album that lets people feel okay checking out Chuck Berry and enjoying it mm-hmm. and still realize that, oh, shit, I can go heavier. I can go harder. You the know? gateway record. Yeah, yeah. Like, like th- this is the album that, that like, it, it's like the bridge. Like, no, no, this is the blueprint, and we took it from this guy because look at what this guy was doing. And, and you know, it's it's the same thing with Motorhead. Like, you know, like if you want to look at like how how do we straddle that that very fine line between punk and metal, and like there's fucking Motorhead, and Motorhead will tell you all day long they're just a rock and roll band like ACDC, you know. We have to do this again sometime this year because Ace of Spades this year turns 40 as well, dude. I know. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the pre-order for the Ace of Spades record, but they have a $300 box set. 
<sighs> and it comes with like a poker set, <laughs> like like um, Texas Hold'em. I dude, uh-huh. uh, it's tempting. It's really tempting, but like I don't like poker that much. But um, I I will definitely be getting something from the Ace of Spades, and I gotta say I'm disappointed in ACDC because I'm looking at the the Back in Black 40th anniversary stuff, and they like I mean, as you would think, everything is like the album, like it's all like the black on black kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, they have a black and black T-shirt that has the ACDC Back in Black, and then on the back it's the it's the track listing, which I think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, merchandising wise. I would like, I mean, if they weren't already gazillionaires, like they could literally surpass Bill Gates and Warren Buffett w- with the right box set here. <laughs> Be- <laughs> because, I mean, who wouldn't rebuy something cool? You know, because I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't heartbeat. You know, that's why I'm out here looking now. I'm like, oh, what kind of cool back and black stuff is there? But no, but Ace, dude, Ace of Spades, if you haven't looked, holy shit, you need to check yeah. it out. You it looks good. It yeah. It it looks good. See, this is why I need to win the lottery. I've <gasps> said this before. I'll say it again. I don't need a big house. Okay. I don't need a fancy car. I don't even have a license. I have a skateboard. Okay. I don't need all that shit. I need I have this uncontrollable and it will never stop need for cool albums. And yeah. <laughs> and every every time I go record shopping, I say, God, I gotta win the lottery. Because I, there's 50 more here that I want. <laughs> well, and I think there's like, I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, at least in the early days, did a way better job than people gave it credit for, for curating cool rock and roll stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that in the hands of private collectors, we could do kind of what um, what what Kirk did for the horror posters. You know, like t- like take oh, it on yeah. tour because I mean I I think there's there's cool stuff that's out there that you know that the mainstream be like oh I didn't know about this you know but yeah no I'm with you anyway back, back to this record oh uh, that's kind of it for me like I've had all of this going through my head all week really stoked for today was there something else you uh. You wanted to share that well, had to do with this amazing record? And not necessarily this record, but I was thinking about this as I went back and listened to this record. And, I mean, really, every ACDC record is a solid piece of work. You know, like, I mean, they they recreated it again with, um, oh, my goodness, with Razor's Edge. You know, that's probably the closest mm-hmm. anybody could get to recreating a, a hit like they did. Um and they've got some other good stuff in there. But how do you feel about the, like, I can't figure out what they're doing now. I can't figure out that they, they've officially called it quits. Like, you know, Wikipedia has Axl Rose still listed as lead vocals. I'm like, I thought that was only for a couple shows. Yeah, and, that's. And while Axl can do it, like, I don't think he was the best choice. I think he was the most popular choice. I think so. I think so. You know? If you wanted. If you wanted the best choice, okay, and this might be a little too on the head. Oh, sorry. I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. I don't remember the dude's name, but from... Uh, Are you going to say Airborne? Airborne. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, like, that would have been... But that's a little too on the nose. I, you know what, though? I, I didn't even consider him. Um, but you're right. Like so, he'd be dead on. But uh, like, mm-hmm. here here's the sleeper 
that that I would do for this because um, one, I was supposed to go to the show this year and it was the last one ever, and I'll never go because of coronavirus and there's a whole other story. But Dean Del Rey, right? So comedian, longtime rock and roller. Um, every year since Bon Scott died, he put on a Bon Scott tribute show, and he had um, and and so let, let me back up. My benchmark for you know for somebody who's who's going to like cover ACDC is you need to not fuck up um you shook me all night long and you really need to not fuck up whole lot of Rosie. Right. And as much as Axel Rose loves ACDC and loves whole lot of Rosie, like that's his jam, it's okay, but it's not great. You know, and like like it just it, it looks it, it I mean oh god I'm sure people are gonna hate me for this but like when Axel sings it, it's like okay he's a really good drunk guy doing karaoke you know <laughs> fair enough but it's not great but like Dean fucking Del Rey he was posting video of himself doing rehearsals and I think it was the the year he had Scott Ian on rhythm guitar um doing whole lot of Rosie holy fuck dude. That guy could do it. Like, I mean, he, he, you know, he's kind of an unknown, essentially, even though he's been in the yeah. business for like 25 years. But if they wanted to go out and and really do it, like, I, I think that he could do it night after night. If they if they wanted to be like, listen, we're going to do one final tour and call it. We need somebody that can handle this. But I had heard, I thought that Brian Johnson was, like, his years got better and he was going to come back. Like, I thought I'd heard that, but I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I think I think with um, with Axl Rose, it's just a, I I don't want to say a gimmick, but like a uh, uh, sort of like um, a novelty. You yeah. Know? This is this isn't ACDC. This is Axl Rose with the guys from ACDC yeah. playing ACDC songs. This is and, Axl you, DC. you know what I mean? Like you like because he's just too big. He stands too yeah. far out. He's got too much of his own style. Do you remember the band Thunder? No. They were they were a British hard rock band. The early, the late eighties, early nineties. Their their debut record, Backstreet Symphony. Actually, you know what? Do yourself a favor. Search out Thunder. Like uh, they were huge in in England at the time. You know, because they were they, they were British and all that. And they just caught the tail end of the whole hair metal muse, movement. And all that, but like I said, huge in because they did all the festivals. You know, yeah. a lot of times they were the first or second band on. Huge in England, though. You're gonna want to check them out because their vocalist Danny Bowes. Okay, there's a guy. You know, if they were gonna tap someone to go on tour right now, he would probably be the one, dude. Check out Backstreet Symphony. It's probably gonna be one of your favorite records henceforth he would definitely be a choice of mine yeah i'll send you an email or whatever as a reminder it's a favorite record of ours over the years if that's about it we are not totally uh interviewless this week um i had a quick chat with a really cool local winnipeg band just to get us going back with our Side stage interviews with our indie spotlight. 
We're always on the lookout for fresh new talent. Check out this indie spotlight. Just last weekend as we speak, of course, as you know, with the COVID bullshit and all that, it's kind of um, doing a number on a lot of on a lot of venues and all that. So the, the good folks at Bulldogs here in Winnipeg, obviously good friends of the show and all that, they've been having a uh, benefit shows to help them get back on their feet. And of course, something like that happens, you know your cool Uncle Snowy is going to be there. It also gave us the opportunity to finally sit down with a really cool local Winnipeg punk band, you know, for our side stage interview in our indie spotlight. I want to introduce everyone to well it's a current band but they have that 90s skate punk vibe to them a really cool sound that quite frankly fate took the greatness in terms of the success this band could have had fate totally took it away from them because if this band just came out maybe even just 10 years maybe 15 years earlier i'm sure epitaph records fat fat records all of these labels victory maybe even all these labels would have been having bidding wars okay to sign winnipeg's six out of ten they oh, were headlining man. yeah yeah absolutely fantastic and i was really looking forward to this chat with the boys because um it was our because you know no bands are touring all of our interviews have been over the phone over skype and i'm going to continue to do that like i said we got a lot of cool pokers in the fire and all that but this is going to this was our first action interview and by what we mean by that on this show that means face to face in person at the at the venue and just the way things worked out okay some we we needed a quiet place but as it turned out the only quiet place to conduct this interview was in the front of the front doors okay as people are coming in and out <laughs> and all that so oh, it yeah. started off fine started off fine but the action of the interview really kicked in but I think it worked out to its advantage. So really stoked for this side stage interview with vocalist Danny, bassist Kirby, and their drummer Wade showed up about halfway through. And of course, their wives and girlfriends are all walking by and there's just all sorts of uh, just all sorts of goings on were going on while we're trying to conduct this and it made for a really good chat so um kind of to get us into it let's kind of do this the same way that we do with our um with our creature features we'll drop a track from six out of ten to get us there from their latest release divided this is six out of ten with six feet deep. 
Probably the first and foremost, the thing we should probably get to is kind of as a way to introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are, what you do, your mother's maiden name, whatever <laughs> you feel would be best for our listeners to know, like all your business. For sure, yeah. No, we're uh, like, we're a skate punk band from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Like I said, we're called Six Out of Ten. Uh, we've been doing this band thing for the last four years. We formed in 2016, and uh, fully gone through one member change so far. Um, and uh, yeah, we've recorded uh, and a full-length record that we released last September, which we're all very proud of. And uh, it's called Divided. You can find it on Spotify, Google Play, Bandcamp, all the all the streaming services and that. And uh, yeah, that, that's us, man. We're simple, simple four dudes from Winnipeg, you know, playing that skate punk, that 90s style sound, you know? Right on, right on. That was going to be my next question. When you say skate punk, I was, I was going to say, like, what is your musical vibe? Like, what is it you guys so do? So all of us are influenced, I think, a little differently. Like, I mean, uh, all of us have some common bands that we like together, like, like The Offspring, uh, No Effects, Face to Face. Um, even some, you know, even some more poppy stuff, some old Blink-182, some Green Day, you know what I mean? Things like that. Uh, but all of us have influences in different areas and, and as well. So, uh, I don't know, Kirby, like, what's some bands that you were... Yeah, don't be shy, dude. Don't be shy. Um, oh, man, I feel bad on the spot, I guess. Um, <laughs> I kind of think, like, yeah, like, what's up, Jared? Uh, like, yeah, face-to-face, -face, that's, like, one of my favorite bands right now. I didn't know about them until I started playing with these guys, but, uh, like, like, yeah, face-to-face, -face, no effects, uh, you know, that early 90s, 90 to 95, yeah, the 90 to 95 skate punk that, you know, fat wreck, epitaph sort of, sort of sound, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Got my COVID tested on Sunday. Really? Really? Oh, you want to go to America? No, I didn't ask. What the fuck? It's my wife. Share that shit. What about you, Jared? Since our drummer Jared has decided to join us here, what's some bands that influence you to play music that you played six out of ten music? That influenced me to play six out of ten music? Yeah. That's what you bring to the. Where do you draw influences from, man? Wherever. Lane? Yeah. Uh, for sure, Blink-182, uh, Sum 41, yeah. Green Day. Um, I'm more on the pop punk side, right. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's probably, yeah. those are my top three. Yeah. Like, I bring a lot of influences from um, metalcore music. Like, that's more what I listen to. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. like, uh, we came to throw in, Spring Me the Horizon. That's kind right. of my jam. So I bring a lot of different Hip-hop, I love hip-hop. Right. I just bring a smorgasbord of everything. <laughs> That's right. right, right. right. Good word, good word. Yeah. I'm hearing all these bands and I'm yeah. thinking, fuck, you guys are so young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy jeez, wow, wow. Label interest. Is there any right now? Uh, not so far. We've been doing everything independent. And, you know, we're, we're pretty okay with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, like, I mean, as, as much of a dream it would be for all of us to be touring on a record label and have this be our day-to-day -day lives. I think we all we all know what you know what we're doing here is we're we're having fun. We're writing music. We're playing local shows for our friends, and I think we've drawn a lot of interest here in Winnipeg. Like uh, you know, over the last couple of years, the crowds have gotten bigger. You know, the the show offers have gotten you know better. We you know offers for touring bands to open for them and things like that. And uh, um, so far, no labels poking around or anything like that. But if they did come calling, you know, I'm sure we'd be, uh, we'd, yeah, definitely not opposed to. It. We'd be interested in uh, hearing what they have to say for sure. Right on, right on. We mailed an album 
to uh, Fat Wreck and then Stomp Records. Yeah, we were I mailed a red album to Stomp and Fat Wreck. Yeah. So um, who knows? Yeah. What the hell, right? Why not? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. They, they, they can't beat you up. They can at least, <laughs> just, say, they can at least just say no, yeah, no exactly. thanks. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next question. Yeah. Are you guys ready to rock? Are you guys ready to go if the labels do come sniffing? Because now, they, labels only want bands that can tour. Yeah. You know, I've heard I've heard of labels saying, "Send me a picture of your trailer or your oh, band." Okay. Yeah. And all of that. You know, I, I think for us, I, like we're all guys, we all have you know regular day jobs and that, right? So I mean, it, the offer would have to be, uh, you know, pretty pretty sweet for us to actually you know be able to go out and do that with you know. We, we'd have to leave jobs or, or, you know, ask for time from those places. And that's a tough thing to do, especially in a situation like, you know, we've got right now with the, oh, yeah. the COVID thing, right? You know, work is, work is uh, sparse out there, right? So, fuck, I'll totally leave my but, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, you know, to play music, if it was like, hey, hey, you guys want to tour and, you know, we'll give you this and that and the other and do a record. Yeah, I think we'd all, we'd all jump on it. Right on, right on. That's what I wanted to hear. You mentioned your latest indie release, Divided, and I gotta say, like, that is a kick-ass cover. I really dig what it's trying to say and all that, but in your words, what's, what exactly was the artist going for with that? Well, we actually, Kirby actually himself sort of came up with the concept. Uh, we all sort of decided the name was going to be Divided. It was our title track. It's uh, one of the tracks off the album, and uh, with our name being 6 out of 10, and you know, calling the album divided, kind of, kind of you know, yeah, a little, you know, a little tie together there. But when it came to the art concept, Kirby actually had, had said to us that, uh, you know, it would be really cool to have a guy, you know, split down the middle, you know, punk business kind of thing, and then have the backgrounds offset to that. And uh, Nico Rudolph was our artist. He's, uh, he's a local guy in Winnipeg. And, Man, does he do some killer work? And uh, I mean, it was worth every single penny because that's the first thing that everyone says about that record is that that album art is just killer. So we're so happy we wouldn't change it for the world. Like you know, that was that's one of the best things we did. Yeah, I used to tell. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And I like the statement behind it. With with the name six out of ten. What's the significance <laughs> of that? Like, is there is there an idea, a story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the TV show Trailer Park Boys, we're all big fans of it. Uh, we're constantly, you know, quoting it and this and that. And uh, uh, we decided uh, one day, well, Wade, our guitar player, is not with us right now. He, uh, he uh, came up with the idea to name ourselves 6 out of 10, which is a quote by Mr. Leahy. Uh, Ricky, one of the main characters, he shouts out to Mr. Leahy and goes, Hey, Leahy, how drunk are you? And he goes, 6 out of 10? So, you know, that's, you know, we decided to fucking great name for a punk band, you know what I mean? And once we changed it, we got it on that bottle cap logo and it became our brand. And, and I think, it, you know what, I, it was one of the best decisions we made as a band was uh, was taking that name on. Yeah, I definitely like it. Yeah. People think, seem to dig it, so. Fair enough, fair And finally, let's get on with our evening here. The bar is calling us, definitely. Um, say hi to someone, anyone. Uh, I'll say hi to, uh, my mom. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Gotta uh, say hi to my mom. Let's <laughs> circle around. You can say hi to your mom. Yeah, fuck it. I'll say hi. Hi, mom. <laughs> uh, say hi to hi to my mom, my dad, my sister, my fam, and uh, you know all the homies from high school. Yeah. Uh, kicking it bad. No, I'm just joking. Just <laughs> say hi to my family. Everyone who gives 
a shit about us, thanks. Yeah, you know what? I want to give one quick shout out since Wade's not here to Wade uh, Schollenberg's family because yeah. his mom and his, you know, uh, his dad and all his family, they always come out and they're big supporters of us. So I want to give them a quick shout out to it and say, hey guys. Yeah, hi Wade's family. We love you. <laughs> if you're not tuned in to The Shining Wizards, listen to what some of our fans have to say about the show. Hey guys, it's the Stallion. And when I'm contemplating suicide, I throw on the Shining Wizards because nothing makes me feel better than knowing I'm not one of these four grown adults, virgin fucking marks, discussing a fake wrestling product. Tune in live every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. East, rantemradio.com. It's the Shining Wizards where it's wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Facebook.com, six out of six out of ten. U O U T T A. I just I love when people spell how they talk. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, we're gonna be out of here soon enough. But yeah, Facebook.com, six out of ten, six out of ten. Dot Bandcamp.com, where you can grab a digital copy. Of that cool record, divided, available now, and you know, if in the Winnipeg area, by all means, go and check them out. Hopefully, they'll uh, get on the road when everything is all said and done, because they're definitely a very exciting band to see live. And like, like I said at the beginning of this, before we got into the song and the interview. Another time, another day, this band would have been huge, probably with the uh, the Warp Tour crowd. Oh yeah, as well, <laughs> as well. And when I'm talking, when I'm talking to this band, you know, and they're talking about their influences and all that, like I'm chuckling to myself. I'm like, oh, you guys are so young. <laughs> you know, like, ah, ah. Oh, okay, I'll take it though. I'll take it though because that's what makes me. Cool, Uncle Snowy. Um, so I know tonight, I know tonight at some point, I'm going to be cracking another beer and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be cranking back in black. And no matter where in the house I play it, I'm not going to get any slack from uh, from my brood about it, for sure. Because like like we said, it's just one of those albums that kind of transcend generations and fans and everything kind of to get us on out of here you know what i thought maybe we would treat ourselves for sustaining all of this heat and still marching on we'll go out with a cool cover song here i just found out this record existed earlier today but in 2018 there was a really cool tribute album to the canadian black metal band blasphemy Let's go um, with a track from uh, War Meddlers, Impiety, their track, uh, their cover of Goddess of Perversion. In the meantime, in between time, that's it. This has been a blackened episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Oh, God, I, I need another beer. It's fucking hot, man. Yes. Son. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Signing off. <laughs>